Peter Drucker said the bottleneck is always at the top of the bottle. So if you're at the top of a business, the chances are you're the bottleneck. Hello and welcome to UmiCast, the podcast about entrepreneurship and business that will help you to go further. Um, today I'm joined by Ian Kinnery, who has been a business coach for three decades now, over three decades, I believe. No, 18 years. 18 years? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm not quite that old. <laughs> I see. Um, yeah, so you, um, your aim, I suppose, is to uh, help people achieve what you call uh, true entrepreneurial freedom, which is something that we'll touch on a bit more as we have a conversation. But basically, in a, in a bit of a nutshell, that is what many people might think is impossible, I suppose, which is achieving your goals uh, whilst maintaining a, a healthy work-life balance. Um, but I'll stop telling people what it is that you do and let's hear from, from yourself. So okay. if we start off with a bit of context, I suppose, what what is it that you do and what is a business coach? Okay, so I'm a business coach and a scale-up coach. In my mind, the two are slightly different, and I'll, I'll gladly talk about that. It says on my website that I grow the business leader to grow the business. Peter Drucker said the bottleneck is always at the top of the bottle. So if you're at the top of a business, the chances are you're the bottleneck. And I grow the business leader to grow the business. Does that make some kind of sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I suppose if we delve slightly deeper into that, what what is it, if you were to come on as a business coach for, for a company, what is it that you'd sort of help them through and help them do? Well, it would really depend, Cal, on where their constraints are. Um, Marshall Goldsmith wrote a book and it was called What, Will Get, what Gets You Here Won't Get You There. And... You know, typically an entrepreneur, and I'm generalizing, an entrepreneur is somebody that doesn't need permission. He or she just makes things happen. Um, and of course, as the, that business grows, and, and you'll know a bit about growing businesses, things change. So the techniques that worked in the beginning, when it was, you know, the entrepreneur by himself or herself, probably are the things that get in the way when they've got a team of five or 10 or 50 or 100. So largely it's about understanding how to pivot, how to change. Because as I say, what worked when the business was small won't necessarily work as it gets bigger. In fact, definitely won't work as it gets bigger. So I help people change. And for everybody, it'll be different. You know, I've never yet met two businesses that started in the same place and want to get to the same place. So that's what I do. I grow the business leader to grow the business. Brilliant. And I suppose it's, it is really important to have that outside perspective sometimes, isn't it? Like, which is yourself in this, in this instance, because for especially small companies, when everything can seem like it's all on your shoulders, like it's really easy to get yourself lost in that and just have it consume your life basically so why is it important i suppose to to get that healthy work-life balance as opposed to just completely dedicating yourself 100 percent? you know well because fundamentally it'll swamp you it it'll kill you um i use two photographs when i'm when i'm uh doing a presentation and one is of a one-man band you know with the, the symbols on his knees and the 
uh, harmonica in front of him. <clears throat> and that's a great metaphor for somebody that's starting off. He plays or she plays every instrument to a level. The next photograph is of a full orchestra and a conductor. Now, the conductor, we don't know if he or she plays any instrument. That's not their job. Their job is first and foremost to make sure that everybody is playing the same piece of music. And if you, if you translate that into business, how often does one department seem to be playing a different game to another department? So that conductor maybe can't play any instrument, but their job is to make everybody harmonize, play at their very best, making sure that they are playing to the same piece of music to the same beat so it's a very different job and transitioning from one to another isn't easy yeah brilliant so um you you help people to do this in various ways and i suppose you you mix um sort of industry techniques with your own personal experience and bringing both of those together um so i suppose if we start off with looking at perhaps what is your personal experience with in that world and what what do you sort of bring to the table in that sense to to help others and teach others okay so um when i was a kid my dad had his own business my dad died when i was 14 i thought i was always going to go into that business of course by the time i was old enough there was no business i mean my mum val valiantly tried to keep it going but couldn't so I ended up going to university. I left university and I started in the world of work as a graduate management trainee. So I was always going to be a manager, always going to be a leader. That was that was my ambition. And I was really, really lucky to um, to literally fall into that. And I fell into that in the motor industry. So I left university at about 22. At 29, I was managing director of a multi-million pound business employing about 120 people in Birmingham um, and from 29 onwards I've been managing leading and ultimately owning businesses so I've had got 20 odd 30 years of, of practical practice um, and then 18 years ago I became a business coach. So some of the stuff that I do, a lot of it is based on my own personal uh, learning in the School of Hard Knocks. I've also done some some academic stuff at Durham University Business School and Ashridge College and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, it in part, it's, it's transferring over some of that experience. But really, coaching isn't about giving people answers. People is a coaching is about um, behavioral change and it's about helping people find their own best way, not my way, their own best way to achieve what it is they want to achieve. If you want knowledge, go to Durham University Business School or, or any one of a dozen universities, but knowledge won't unlock performance. There's a big difference between knowing and doing. Yeah, yeah. So you've obviously you've you've been there and done that yourself. So you've you've got that own experience. Um, and as you say, so you, you'd be quite knowledgeable in all of the sort of the, the technical aspects, I suppose, of of running a business and things like that. But so it sounds like you 
more focus on the person, like the individual, um, and and adjust whatever techniques that it might be that you're currently using to help that company um, in in an individual sort of way. Would you say that's right? Oh, absolutely bespoke. Mm. In fact, my, my my symbol, Cal, if you if you've seen it, is a spiral, but there are two threads on that spiral. One represents the individual. The other one represents the business. Uh, and it's a spiral that goes up. So uh, my belief is that for, for the business to grow, the individual has to grow. And if the two growth rates get out of sync, it ends up a horrible mess. So I grow the business leader to grow the business. But it is, to be honest with you, the, 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 the business techniques, the uh, business not business acumen, because that's a, that's a personal thing, but the techniques, all of that stuff, the transactional stuff, you can learn that anywhere. You can read a book, you can go online, you can find that stuff out. I once worked out that about 60% of my clients at that point in time had an MBA. So they knew the stuff, they just weren't doing the stuff. Mm. So, you know... It might be that you know how to bend it like Beckham, but that doesn't mean to say that you can bend it like Beckham. Get the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as, as a business coach, coaching is all about improving performance. So some of it's knowledge, but largely it's that six inches of real estate between the ears that we're working with, because that's the difference between a performer and an elite performer. Great. So, what I suppose inspired you to to start helping others because it, it's you um, obviously know your stuff and are able to apply it to yourself, I suppose. Um, so, it would have been, I suppose, uh, to most people, seem like an easier decision, maybe to apply it to your own companies and things like that make yourself successful. So, what's what makes you want to make others successful? Okay, so I did that. You know, I was MD at twenty nine by my mid thirties. I, I ran uh, Europe's biggest Mercedes-Benz car and truck dealership. Um, and at the same time, I was borrowing a load of money and I bought and built my own Vauxhall dealership in Stockton. Five or six years later, the business was doing well. I was doing crap. It nearly killed me. Um, it cost me my marriage. That cost me my house. That cost me my self-esteem. And it almost cost me my life. So when I recovered from that, and that took some time, and I was back running big businesses again, at some point, I thought, I've had enough of this. And I I was sat at home, really trying to work out what to do for the future. And I literally fell into business coaching. Never heard of it. Didn't think that it was um, a thing. If I'm honest, I thought it sounded like being a snake oil salesman. Um... But the deeper I got into it, I, I literally fell into something that not only did I love, because I've always been fascinated with business, always been fascinated by people. And I, I literally fell into something that not only I loved, but I was proved to be very good at. And that was 18 years ago. And here we are, and I'm still doing the same stuff now. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's, it's like it's it's great that you can you can take what you've learned the hard way i suppose and almost prevent that from happening to others and spread like and a better message that, isn't that's it? a big driver for me 
you know, that's that's one of the reasons that I do what I do. There are a few others, but that is a big one because there used to be a plaque on, on my wall in a previous office that says a business that's out of control is ruthless. It'll tear your life up. And I see too many business people where the business is tearing their life up. And that, that's not good for anybody. And it's not good for the people within the business either. Because I fundamentally believe that a business that's well run is good for everybody. It's good for the people in the business. It's good for the customers. It's good for the shareholders. It's good for all stakeholders. Conversely, a business that's badly run is just toxic. <laughs> you know, it's, it's clearly not a great place to work. It's not a great place to do business with. So really it's it's a win-win all around mm, absolutely yeah and i think it's especially in in the sort of time that we're in now the the lines between sort of professional and personal lives are just so blurred isn't it it's, it's not as easy to have your work life and then your personal life so and obviously you spend most of your time at work don't you so whatever happens there has a huge impact on just your entire life isn't it so it's yeah, I suppose it's really important to get that right yeah and, uh, make it right for others others too um, so yes, I suppose let's jump into uh, uh, the other side of things and discuss kind of what a business coach and yourself specifically would do when working with a company. So um, it, we've got so scaling the business was one of the things that we've touched on. So okay. if we start off there, I suppose if you could uh, talk us through what what is scaling a business, and I suppose how would you help do to do that? Okay, so. Uh Business growth is fairly obvious. The business is bigger this year than, than, than last year. Um, scaling, technically, and, and in this country we have uh, the Scaler <clears throat> Initiative, and technically scaling is defined as a business that can grow at 20% per annum for at least three years. So if you do the maths, that means every three years that that business is going to double in size. Now, there's a restriction on it or a lower level. So it's not from startup. It's from a, a certain level. So it's it's growth with, uh, with intent. You know, it's not accidental growth and it's not steady growth. It's rapid growth. Uh, I consider I do two things. I do business coaching, which is where I work with the business owner or owners one-on-one. -on -one. And then I do scale-up coaching. I've just run the sixth or the seventh Scale-Up Leaders Academy for the Entrepreneurs Forum up here. And scaling up is, to me, the difference is when we've got a leadership team. Because I believe fundamentally there's a limit beyond which one person cannot drive a business. It just becomes too much. And at some point, people need to be able to uh, create, build, lead a leadership team. And when I first started, you know, I was one of the, well, I was the fastest starting coach in the world ever with the organization that I started with. And what I found was I was pretty good at, at, at getting businesses from, let's say, a million to 10 million turnover. And then I'd be talking to people about putting together a leadership team. 
and they didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And that was my fault. I didn't have the, the vocabulary. I didn't have the language to explain it. Um, and then I came across a book called the Rockefeller, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. He rewrote that and called it Scaling Up. And now that's the methodology that I use when people have a leadership team. So business coaching, I coach the business leader one-on-one. -on -one. Scaling up or Rockefeller Habits, I coach the business owner and the leadership team. Because once you've got a leadership team, the driving force isn't the founder or the business owner, it's that leadership team. And if you want that to be the driving force, they've got to be on the same page and pulling in the same direction. You know, to get back to that analogy of the orchestra, you know, if the woodwind section is playing bolero and um, the, the percussion section are playing Beethoven's Fifth, we've, all we've got is a mess. And that's often what we have with businesses. So with scaling up, it the, the way I handle that is coaching the, the leadership team making sure they're on the same page and to do that we write a one-page strategic plan usually because i'm in the northeast uh it's kind of a hybrid so with some of my scale-up clients well with most of them all bar one i coach the business leader on a regular basis and i coach the leadership team in fact on monday um i've got a quarterly planning with a scaling business in middlesbrough I coached the business leader last week. I was just on the phone to him before I came in here. And on Monday, we'll have the leadership team there. We'll be assessing where we are, planning what we're going to do for the next three years, and specifically what we're going to do in the next three months to get to that three-year destination. So it's, I mean, it's a huge amount of fun. It's not without stress, but it's a huge fun. <laughs> you're good you're good um you touched on the the rockefeller habits a bit there yeah um so maybe if we could if we could jump into into those a bit because i understand is the is the four like steps or is it four aspects that you you focus on within those if you could maybe talk through those a bit yeah so um if, if you look at the book scaling up we we on the front cover you'll see people strategy execution and cash they're the four decisions that we have to get right. Um, actually, that's a bit simplistic. There are four buckets of decisions that we have to get right. Um, people is about getting uh, the right people on the bus. Strategy is all about growing the top line. Execution is about translating that top line growth into bottom line profit. And cash is slightly different but nothing sucks cash out of a business faster than growth. So if we've got a growing business, we've got to be cognizant and strategic about cash because absence of cash, lack of cash will kill us stone dead. So they're the four decisions that we, we work through, but that, that's really headline stuff. You know, I, I could spend a week just talking about the people well, I'll probably spend a month talking about the people's bucket <laughs> and similarly the strategy and then the, the uh, execution. And are they all of a, a sort of equal standing or is that a, 
it, you know, does one sort of outweigh the rest? Like, for example, people, does that come before cash or, or anything like that? Or We tend to do it in that order. Why start with people? Well, if you think about it, all the business is, is a machine where all the moving parts are people. You know, businesses are created by people for people. So as Simon Sinek said, if you don't understand people, you don't understand business. Um, people pervades everything, but there again, so does strategy. So so they, they're, they're pretty much equal, I would say. And of course, they all impact in, on each other. They, you can't tackle one in isolation. Mm. Um, so I suppose that's a, it's a lot of juggle all at a time of, of like rapid growth, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because as you say, it's not just about growing. It's, it is that rapid growth and, uh, you know, there'll be lot, lots and lots to consider there. So I suppose what's a kind of, I don't know, is there, is there a, a, a best way to maybe go about it in a manageable sense? Because I suppose with it being so rapid, it, it'd be so easy for it to get away from you, isn't it? So I think, and it's a great question, for me, timing is is really important. And quite honestly, Carl, there's no roadmap. It's about, and I think this is where the skill of the coach comes in, sensing what's next, sensing what might be just beyond the horizon. You know, I'm a motorcyclist, and, and if you do an advanced motorcycle test, they teach you that you can ride as fast as you can see. So when you when you ride in with a, an advanced rider behind you, it's in your ear all the time, asking you what's coming up. So you're having to look over the fences and, and down the road and see the telegraph pole so you know where the road's going. In many ways, that's kind of the role that I play with with my clients. I need to be able to sense what's 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 beyond what they can see, but I know it's coming up, so I prepare them for it. Because it's not very effective to prepare somebody when they're in the middle of it. You know, the time to put your crash helmet on is before you get on the motorbike, not when you're flying through the air. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, okay, so if we if we jump into sort of people side of things a bit more then um because uh, as you said leadership coaching is another thing that you you yeah. do and is an important part of, of every, every aspect of what you yeah. do um so i suppose starting off with what is a leader and what makes what makes a good one versus a bad one perhaps uh and this isn't a facetious answer but a leader fundamentally is somebody that people want to follow it's not a title it's a set of attributes and, you know, if, if people don't want to follow you, you're just on a lonely walk. So leadership is, a, is really a set of skills, a set of people skills that will be different for everybody. But again, if you think of the journey of the entrepreneur, when he starts off in his, in his back bedroom or his garage, it doesn't need leadership skills because he's got nobody to lead. Of course, as the business grows then suddenly they become of prime importance. And it may well be that the business is founded on the technical skills of the founder, not his or her leadership abilities. So that's another pivot that needs to be made. Does that make some kind of sense? Yeah, yeah. So um, I suppose that's a good point that you touch on at the end there is that the, the leaders 
being someone that uh, people want to follow aren't necessarily always, say, the top of a company. It's a leader, I suppose, could be anybody in the company in that sense, which is why it's important to get be. all of your people yep. right. Um, so is it, do you kind of come into a, a leadership team and, and focus sort of, I suppose, solely, solely on them and getting their skills sort of up to scratch? Or is, do you, would you take a, an overall look at the, the company and identify perhaps who are the, maybe the unsung leaders in, in there, is it? Um, it's interesting working with a leadership team. Yes, I'm looking at the individual skills and abilities of each individual. But if you think of any team game, it's not the individual skills that make the team successful. It's the team's ability to work together. And there have been plenty of examples of, of, of teams that are not full of superstars, but that really, really perform. And similarly, teams that are full of superstars that have never performed. So it's about, you know, team coaching is about enabling that group of people to perform better as a group. That will include them performing better as individuals, but that's not really what it's all about. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So what do you think are some common, um, I suppose, issues when it comes to that? Uh, it comes to leadership, I suppose, and unlocking other people's potential. Uh, some common things that, well, is there any common things? It's a very individual process, I suppose, but is there an overarching maybe theme that you've run into over the years and what can people sort of do about it? You're right, it is very individual. Uh, and I, I describe coaching, and the only word I can, I can use to describe it really is intimate. You know, I need to get to know that individual whether they be a member of a team or not, pretty damn well to understand what's driving them on and what's holding them back. Um, I think they, the overarching thing is, is about skills with people. And, and, and very often, people don't think about about people skills when they think about business it, it, it's somehow separate but as I said earlier you know what a business is is a machine and all the moving parts are people we can't ignore people it's all about people mm. which is a challenge yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely um so it's there's a there's a large element there I suppose about being either self-aware or as you say aware about others and how as individual each and every one of us are so there's quite a lot of emphasis there on on a mindset um very much so. i suppose what's the what's the importance about about people's mindset and um i suppose is the is there a, is the correct or a wrong sort of mindset and what how can people change it as well well there's no right or wrong with anything that there are only choices um but you're absolutely right what you say about self-awareness um Everything starts with self-awareness and, and you will never understand anybody better than you understand yourself. And most people really are frighteningly unself-aware, if that's a word. You know, um, I've just, just been doing some work on emotional intelligence. And of course, emotional intelligence is, is one of the things that enables a leader to lead and people to function well as a team. Um, 
So concentrating and developing self-awareness and emotional intelligence is a big, big factor. Mm. I suppose as well, it's one thing to be self-aware and know all of these things internally, but there's a huge importance on actually being able to then communicate that, isn't it? So um, I suppose... What's that? What's the importance of that being able to communicate and how can people maybe more effectively work on that and do that better? Well, of course, if, if communication, I used to say years and years ago, show me a problem in a business and I'll show you a failure of communication. And I think that's, that's generally right. Um, so helping people to understand how they communicate, how effective it is, what communication is even, just adds to people's ability to to lead and manage a business. Mm. And um, I suppose then merging the two ideas together of a a grown scaling business um, and all of these these sort of leadership uh, topics, would you say there's there's a need to transition there is it you know what does a does a small company for example need a different sort of leader and then that leader needs to transform along with that along with the company and what does that kind of transformation look like uh, well that's that's the coaching journey you're absolutely right because you know somebody that's working in 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 his garage with maybe somebody else doesn't need leadership skills or doesn't need a great quantity of leadership skills probably achieve what they need to achieve through force of personality, through conviction, maybe through technical skill. But when that business gets to 100 people, now that's a different kettle of fish. And of course, it will be different, as I said, from one person to another. The way you lead will be different to the way I lead. Think of all the people that you've worked with and for in your career. There is no one template that they all fit into. They're all very different. In the same way as any sports person, they're not identical. They do it slightly differently, but they do it the best they possibly can. Mm. What kind of um, weighing of responsibility, I suppose, is there on um, on creating that sort of transition? Obviously, it's a, as, you, as you've been saying, it's a team game, but what what kind of responsibility is the, the the leaders to enact that change and what sort of, how does that weigh up with the overall teams and all of their responsibility to create that too? And, and that's a, a, um, a really critical thing because the leader can't take responsibility for everything. So it's about delegating that responsibility, making sure that that people know where they're going and know how we're going to get there. Otherwise the leader will end up doing it all himself or herself, which is exactly what we want to get away from. Mm. So there's, a, a, I suppose, a large element of everybody starting by looking within, I suppose. And, uh... and as, you know, again, as, as the business grows, the founder becomes a leader. And then, of course, when there's a leadership team, he or she becomes a leader of leaders which is a different kettle of fish altogether. You know, leading people, if you like, lower down the, uh, uh, the hierarchy is one thing, 
but leading leaders, that's a different gig altogether, you know, because those leaders, and I, this isn't very politically correct, but what I say is, you know, if if the people you're leading are donkeys, they're easy to lead, but they're not particularly good leaders themselves. If If you're working with thoroughbreds, then you need better techniques, you need better skills, because those thoroughbreds will have their own agenda, their own skill sets, aligning them with the, the company purpose and your purpose is is requires a, a, a greater level of skill, I would suggest. Can anybody become a leader? Is yeah. it a sort of set of skills that you can learn or is there, a, is there a certain point that you maybe have to hold your hands up and go, actually, this this isn't for me. I need to bring in somebody else that, that can. Well, yeah. I think both can be true. But your initial question is, can anybody learn to be a leader? I believe absolutely. You know, some people do have uh, a natural advantage, but even they need to learn how to lead at another level. Now, the second part of what you said can also be true. Can there be a point where uh, maybe the founder is at his or her uh, rev limiter? Yeah, and it may well be that the desire to... Because to, not everybody wants to lead people. <laughs> and it would be wrong to assume that they they did. So there may come a point where, uh, let's say the founder needs to, to bring in another leader. And maybe he or she sells the business, or maybe he or she takes a role that is less about leadership and more about technical expertise. But the great thing about a business, Cal, is that you know, there is no right or wrong way to do anything. And you can design the business to be whatever shape that you want it to be. Years and years ago, I went, I, I used to work in the uh, commercial vehicle business in Carlisle. And I went to see a, a haulier. And uh, I'll not give his name, but I, I, and I think I was set up a bit and I pitched up at this place and there was an old boy sweeping the yard. And... Um, as I got out of the car, we started chatting. He said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, um, I'm looking for the managing director. And he said, oh, that's him in that office up there. And I thought there was something off. <clears throat> and the, 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 the company was called Browns. And the old boy sweeping the yard was Mr. Brown. But he enjoyed sweeping the yard. He enjoyed pottering about. He didn't enjoy running the business. So he had somebody else running the business while he did what he wanted to do. And that, to me, is a great example. You can, you can design a business any way you want. And, and as the owner, you can have whatever role you want in that business. However, the business has to be designed in such a way that it works. That doesn't mean to say that the founder needs to do any or all of the jobs and it certainly doesn't mean that he or she needs to do the leadership role mm. but you've got to get to a level of skill and knowledge before you have that choice yeah absolutely wow well i mean i appreciate we've, we've, this is such a big topic isn't it <laughs> we have just barely scratched the surface yeah, of it tell me about um that. so i suppose as a, as a bit of a a closing thought then um 
if somebody here now is, is listening or watching this this podcast, we've got their minds thinking about like what what it is that they, that they need to do. What's what's their kind of next step? Where where does somebody start with with all of this? I appreciate that's probably asking like how long is a piece of string, but what yeah. you know what's what should they go and do now? I suppose. Um, again, not a facetious answer, but I would say get a coach. You know what. One of my coaches said to me, and I use this expression an awful lot, he said, Ian, we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know. And it's always what we don't know that costs us. And that is so true. But if you think about it, how on earth do you find out what you don't know? Because you're using the same bit of kit. And the only way we find out is in conversation. And that conversation is a coaching conversation. So that's really what happens. And, and you know, I, I was with one of my coaches yesterday and he just asked me a couple of questions that caused me to see something in a totally different light. So today, metaphorically and literally, I'm a different person. I will take a different approach to that particular situation now than I did yesterday. And that's what good coaching's about. So, you know, none of us, none of us know everything. None of us can do everything, but we don't know what we don't know. So the first bit is starting to find out what we don't know. What do we need to do better? And Tiger Woods said, you know, when, when he was asked why he had so many coaches, he said, well, I can't see my own swing. And none of us can. None of us can see the effect that we're having on people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a it's an important point, isn't it? I think, uh, like you say, you don't know what you don't know, and so all it takes is that different perspective sometimes to just spark a load of ideas in yourself, isn't whole, it? And whole load of change. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, well, I suppose where where can people find you if if, if they need a coach? Which is, is there a um, website or? Well, if 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 you just Google Kinnery you'll get to me. My website is www.kinnery.co.uk. Um, so it's pretty easy to do. And there's a form on there or pick up the phone and give me a ring. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us today. It's been a very interesting and insightful conversation. I think people can yeah. really take take a lot from it. At the very least, start thinking about what it is that they sort of need to do to, to move forward. Um, so thank you very much for that. No, thank um, you. If you're interested in finding out any any more information about sort of well-being at work um, or or any other topics, I suppose, related to that, you could um, head over to Umi Satnav, um, where we've got a whole range of resources, tools and, and information on not only that, but a range of other topics. Um, so if you if you wanted to if you want to access that, you can sign up for free by heading to weareumi.co.uk forward slash Satnav. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>